Welcome to GovCast, connecting with federal IT's top decision makers. I'm your host, Melissa Harris. When we talk to leaders across federal agencies, we often hear about the challenges and obstacles they're trying to overcome to meet mission needs and improve services for the American people. While a lot of the problem solving happens internally within an agency or with the contractor community, what if I told you that there are avenues for you, the average person out there, to pitch in too? That's where the General Services Administration's citizenscience.gov and challenge.gov come in. Citizenscience.gov is a website that leverages crowdsourcing and citizen science across the country so federal agencies can engage the public in addressing societal, scientific, and technological needs. Meanwhile, challenge.gov serves as a hub to run various agencies' challenges and prize competitions, enabling all sorts of innovators across the country to provide unique solutions to different challenge areas. Although challenge.gov and citizenscience.gov have their own purposes, the underlying element that they both have is a lowered bar for entry for the public to engage in government problem solving. In today's episode, we'll learn a little bit more about how these platforms do just that, as well as a bunch of different examples across agencies, from addressing COVID-19 to modernizing veteran memorial engagement and more. We'll also hear about how the competition model is serving as a faster avenue for acquisition of innovation in a lot of cases. It's a lot to unpack, but luckily we have GSA Technology and Transformation Services Director of Open Innovation, Jara Metter with us today to break it down. All right. Thank you so much for joining us on GovCast today. It's a really great pleasure to chat with you. Well, thanks so much for having me. It's, it's great to be here. Of course. So let's start with the platforms you run, which are citizenscience.gov and challenge.gov. Unlike a lot of other ways that the government engages with the public, which is largely through industry or different partnerships in that nature, this is your way of letting the government have the public provide input to let the government find effective solutions for different challenges it faces. So can you go into how each of these platforms started and maybe what each of them do and how they remove a lot of the opacity and bureaucracy that tends to occur across the federal space? Sure. So both of the programs, challenge.gov and citizenscience.gov, were created in response to specific legislation. And so with challenge.gov, in 2010, with the passage of the America Competes Reauthorization Act, this gave the authority to use prize authority and run prize competitions to the head of every federal agency to advance um, that agency's mission. And with this new authority, there was kind of the notion or knowledge that there needed to be some infrastructure in government that would allow agencies to use this methodology. And because GSA and TTS are really the home of developing technologies and solutions that allow the government to connect with and serve the American people, GSA was, um, was tapped to step up and create that infrastructure. And so that's how challenge.gov was born. 
um, a decade ago. And with citizenscience.gov, similarly, with the amendment to the America Competes Reauthorization Act, this added the American Competitiveness and Innovation Act, also known as the Crowdsourcing and Citizen Science Act, which gave crowdsourcing and citizen science authority to science agencies and gave them the authority to reach out to the public to do scientific discovery and data collection um, and problem solving. And so, again, GSA was um, seen as as the agency that could really create that um, hub for federal agencies to use this authority. With regard to what these, these platforms do, you know, what I can tell you is in the past decade of challenge.gov, the challenge.gov platform has really facilitated the growth of prize competitions broadly across federal government. Um, as of today, we have 1,350 prize competitions that have been hosted on the platform by over 100 different federal agencies. And similarly with challenge.gov, in the roughly five years, five and a half years of, of citizenscience.gov, we've seen um, agencies really kind of exponentially adopt and use this authority to run uh, citizen science projects. And on citizenscience.gov, we have a catalog today of, I think, 455 uh, citizen science projects that are federally sponsored. And so regarding reducing opacity and bureaucracy, with prize competitions and citizen science projects and these platforms that support this methodology, there are very few barriers that stand in the way between the federal government and the public for collaboration and engagement and participation. And also with these platforms, intentionally, we've um, created an environment where we're reducing the prerequisites and the biases and who can participate. And through these technologies and applications, innovation and discovery in federal government truly are open um, through these mechanisms. Yeah, that's a fantastic point. And I love the point that, you know, you could reduce the barrier for entry to get involved with the government. I want to chat a little bit about your background for a second. So before you came to GSA to run Open Innovation, you led different innovation efforts at the VA, USAID, and um, did some in-depth research in academia and other spaces. So how have these different positions informed your belief in citizen science and public engagement to solve challenges in government? And how do these backgrounds inform your approach to work today? Yeah, working in the federal government has absolutely in, informed my approach to, to public engagement. But for me, really, my interest in open innovation, it stems from a belief in the power of active citizenship and the desire to be in service to others. You know, I grew up in a small Texas farming community um, that right now is being ravaged by the Eastland complex fires and tornadoes just went through this area. And in this community where I grew up, neighbors help each other. And I enlisted in the military as a teenager and later chose a career um, in cancer research because I had this kind of call to be in service to others and to help. But as a scientist in academia, I was frustrated with the lack of support and emphasis on open collaboration. 
you know, I always felt like the experiment I was doing in my lab bat cave somewhere was being done at the same time by someone else. And I, I always had this desire to collaborate more openly, but in academia, there that really isn't part of the incentive structure for having a career. And, um, and I wanted to change that. And the grant funding models that funded my research really seemed to be biased. So a decade ago, via a, a science and technology policy fellowship, I came to government and I really came with that desire to open government for more collaborative forms of innovation and scientific discovery. And luckily, through that fellowship, I landed in an um, amazing open innovation shop at the U.S. Agency for International Development. And through USAID and, and that work, they gave me a great uh, foundation or background in human-centered design approaches to problem definition and the power of partnerships and stakeholder engagement. And this is where I learned to design uh, prize competitions, putting the, the end user or the person living the problem at the center of the, the design and programming for the initiative. From USAID, I went to Veterans Affairs where I led prize competitions, but also I was able to apply approaches that we've used in prize competitions to more traditional forms of sourcing, like procurement. I stood up a broad agency announcement program where we inserted a co-creation phase uh, between concepting and proposal writing that really transformed the efficacy of the solutions that we sourced through that mechanism. And I also was able to flex the partnerships, uh, knowledge and background I had learned at USAID and prize competitions to establish VA's first social impact financing grant program focused on um, improving uh, employment outcomes for veterans with disabilities. And so, yeah, I would say that it's been sort of a lifelong pathway, winding pathway to get to the, the point right now where I'm at GSA. I'm, I'm, I have this amazing opportunity with challenge.gov and citizenscience.gov to bring it all home and bring it all together to really impact how the government engages with the public in innovation at the earliest stages of engagement. Yeah, I was about to say, it sounds like, you know, your whole career sort of accumulated to become perfect for this kind of position. So that background is really fascinating and important to hear about. So diving into a little bit more in the weeds of challenge.gov and citizenscience.gov. How do you agencies come to you with different problems to sort of go through this award process? And what does the award process look like across these platforms? And if you want to add a little bit about how it's different from other contracting award processes, that would be fantastic. Sure, absolutely. And so where we, where we hope that agencies come to us in this sort of open innovation and, and design processes are at the beginning where, they, um, where they're first thinking about the problem. And typically, those conversations that we have with the, the, those brave innovators across federal government really center around things like, we've run this grant program for five years 
Uh, we are sourcing um, the same types of submissions and solutions from the same groups. And we really want to try a more open form of sourcing so that we can reach um, leading edge innovators and, um, and, and those who, who we haven't met yet, who we, we think may have the solution. And so in those cases, uh, we're able to really provide them with, based on the problem that they want to solve and the history of what they've tried in the past, kind of like a diagnostic where we, we don't always prescribe a prize competition as the sourcing tool that they should use. But in a case where they um, have a goal of raising awareness about an issue, reaching audiences of solvers that they have not yet engaged, and they do not have a firm sense or, or desire to create requirements uh, concrete requirements for the innovation that they are sourcing, that's when we propose that a prize competition might be the appropriate sourcing mechanism that they could use. I want to be clear that prize competitions, in my opinion, in no way replace good innovative procurement <laughs> models and assistance that are out there. I think that prize competitions fill a specific opportunity and niche in sourcing that allow agencies to kind of connect with a diversity of solvers that they have not yet connected with um, in their regular programming. You know, what does the award process look like across platforms? It is different from, from traditional procurement and contracting. Um, first of all, it's really important to, to underscore that prize authority is outside of procurement authority. It is not governed by the federal acquisition regulation, um, kind of similar to authorities like other transaction authority or, or others. It, it is its own unique bespoke authority that agencies can use. Um, and what's so powerful about the Competes Act and Prize Authority is that Prize Authority really encourages agencies to partner we know that over 60% of prize competitions that were run in the past two years have engaged a partner either in, in federal government or outside of federal government that have specific roles in impacting the innovation and, and reaching public solvers. Also with, with prize authority, agencies are not necessarily encouraged to take an intellectual property stake or to, um, to add an encumbrance like March in rights with regard to intellectual property and manufacturing. Prize competitions can be used to meet innovators where they are to allow them to engage with the government and move forward innovation in ways that do not encumber them unnecessarily when appropriate. So earlier you mentioned that the great number of prize competitions and different projects going on at citizenscience.gov and challenge.gov. So can you share some exciting examples of how this public engagement on either platform have helped government agencies make progress in certain mission areas or challenge areas? Sure. There really are so many interesting examples of how agencies are using um, these methodologies in isolation or in combination, you know, a timely example 
is how the federal government turned to crowdsourcing citizen science and prize competitions in the early days of the COVID pandemic. You know, when when COVID was first announced, we convened the communities of practice, federal communities of practice for prize competitions and also for crowdsourcing and citizen science to coordinate our efforts across federal government. And what we learned in those you know, very early, like two weeks in meetings, is that the government had already begun using these methodologies. These really were among the first kind of deployable, activatable sourcing tools that the government turned to. What we found was that agencies like NIST and NASA uh, turned to internal crowdsourcing where they activated their employees to create solutions and to help because so many employees wanted to help. You know, NASA and NIST joined forces to um, innovate on uh, ventilator design. And next, what we found was that the VA, HHS, and the White House, they they really used um, competition or, or collaborative mechanisms like hackathons to engage the public in problem solving, data collection, data analysis related to COVID. I believe in the early days or in the first six months of the pandemic, we saw, um, I think it was eight different hackathons that were ran. Um, and these hackathons in total engaged over 50,000 members of the public in participation and then as the problems with regard to COVID were being better defined, agencies started using prize competitions to create um, a more equitable form of public participation and problem solving. And in the past two years alone, there have been 14 prize competitions focused on um, the COVID pandemic, and these have awarded about $9 million directly to the public in prize funds. You know, aside from the COVID pandemic response, another exciting trend that we're starting to see is that agencies are becoming more sophisticated in how they're using prize authority. You know, we call this um, authority stacking, where agencies like um, Homeland Security and Department of Defense are experimenting with combining different sourcing tools, such as crowdsourcing to augment traditional RFI processes a prize competition for early stage um, ideation, uh, wireframing and prototyping. And then once they have that really good initial early stage design and functional prototype, then they're going out and designing their requirements for um, competitive procurement processes to take that prototype from prototype to minimum viable product or a commercially viable product. And so we're starting to see how agencies are understanding how to really structure their sourcing mechanisms to target specific populations of solvers at the right sort of readiness level of innovation that incentivizes meaningful participation. And um, also kind of taking that approach of authority stacking or using this iterative sourcing approach that I, I'm particularly uh, proud of is one that the Veterans Affairs, the National Cemetery Administration, they had a problem uh, years ago or, or really an opportunity 
where they wanted to modernize visitorship to the national cemeteries. And, you know, we know that over, I think, 4 million veterans are interned at, at VA national cemeteries across the world. And they wanted to create new methods where anyone could visit those graves in person or virtually, and also pay tribute to the veterans that are interred there. And so they ran a crowdsourcing campaign where they just went out to the public and asked for ideas and pain points and what was important to them with regard to memorializing veterans. And then they synthesized all of that meaningful information and input, and they turned that into a prize competition to develop a prototype. And what was really exciting about that prize competition is that it was a technology or IT development competition. Specific sprints or or development phases of that competition were only open to veterans and service members who code. And so in that way, they were able to really make the innovation for the veteran by the veteran. And it was very powerful. And it allowed a lot of people, the public, to have an impact in creating this solution. And then once that 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 highly high-level functioning prototype was developed, they then deployed a contract to build it out. And it's in production right now. And so I'm really excited about how agencies are beginning to come together and, and really be sophisticated about how they're using these sourcing tools. And I guess lastly, um, as you can tell, I'm very excited about prize competitions and open innovation. I have a lot of examples, but the last one is really that we're starting to see a growing bipartisan support for prize competitions. And in the 116th Congress, we know that over 30 pieces of legislation were introduced that specifically called for agencies to run a prize competition. And one example of that is the Fish and Wildlife Wildlife Service. Um, they were um, directed to develop a Theodore Roosevelt Genius Prize focused on wildlife conservation. And they turned that opportunity actually into six different prize competitions that are live today on challenge.gov that um, are, are very popular and they're awarding over $600,000 in prize funds to the public to impact a problem that, that many of us hold near and dear. That's really fantastic. I love hearing about all of these examples. I think COVID really was a giant call to arms for everyone. So I think that was a great parallel. And also we've been seeing similar prize competitions that you know, all sorts of agencies are adopting to find innovative ways to procure different things. Um, I know IRS has their pilot IRS and FBI has their shark tank and hearing about the VA example was really fantastic as well. So it's great to see how this is sort of an idea that everyone's starting to adopt. So in terms of data, we're growing toward an open data world, which allows a lot more people to access information and make informed decisions or do unique research on their own. So how do you see this movement toward unleashing data and open data impacting the way that the public engages with challenge.gov and citizenscience.gov? Yeah, I'm, I feel like this is a really, we're in a very powerful moment in time. And kind of going back to that description that I provided in the beginning about why 
I came to federal government in the first place, this is squarely an opportunity um, that I personally recognize and value for really transforming um, the pace of discovery and innovation in this country. You know, legislation like the Sunshine Act and federal data sharing and management policies are definitely opening and unlocking federal data. And this is creating exciting opportunities for collaboration with the public. You know, other programs in TTS um, are moving the needle on open government and open innovation. You know, these programs like data.gov are creating um, incentive structures and mechanisms that encourage federal agencies to make their data available. And with regard to open innovation in the programs at GSA, we're really seeing the greatest strides in open data and open science in the citizenscience.gov side of the portfolio. We a few examples that come to mind are NASA. You know, NASA has a has a commitment to to really putting open science and open innovation and data sharing at the center of their research model. And you know, they've they've launched for a long time, been a leader in participatory science and data sharing. And in one of their projects, they're engaging the crowd to analyze space telescope images um, of the Earth and report back what they see. And these Earth observations that the public are making are being used to improve machine learning models. And NOAA, 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 owns and manages the national water model. And they're using an open platform called GitHub uh, to make their data sets that inform the national water model available to the public. And what they're seeing is engagement with data scientists and researchers on GitHub around these data sets. And they're also seeing advancement in their modeling and forecasting for, for floods. Um, and this is really important um, to inform first responders to where they may need to put their resources in times of need. And the CDC, the CDC has a pandemic forecasting community and program. And again, they're using GitHub to bring together CDC epidemiologists and data scientists with leading ap- academic groups to collaborate in the open and to allow for more accurate forecasting for um, for the flu and also for COVID. And of course, you know, data quality and assurance are important considerations for these forms of citizen science and crowdsourcing. And we're already seeing that agencies are being proactive and creating guidance to address this. You know, the a, a good example of this is EPA. They recently released a a guidebook for citizen science data so that we can make sure that the data that is collected by the public um, is of high quality because important agencies like the EPA are taking the data that the public are collecting and they're using it in decision-making and programming and, and to move forward their research. I feel like you sort of answered a little bit of this throughout your answers. Um, there's obviously a lot of positive feedback and growing interest toward engaging the public, but what kind of feedback have you received from agencies who submit challenges on your website? Do you see a difference in the value compared to, say, doing typical engagement with 
contractors through industry days and all of these sort of old fashioned ways of getting solutions through the door. Yeah, for sure. You know, what what we're hearing from federal challenge managers is that that indeed through their prize competitions, they are engaging members of the public who have never before engaged with the government in contracting or procurement. Um, what they really are finding is that through hosting prize competitions on challenge.gov, that they are reaching individuals who work in adjacent fields, um, you know, engineers, um, students, you know, people all across the country who, who really care about and want to impact these different problems. You know, in many ways, with prize competitions, we're leveling the playing field. You know, and what we're seeing on challenge.gov, you know, through our analytics is that, is that in, you know, the majority of, of the public participation is happening on the weekend. And so they're visiting the site and engaging with challenges in their own time. That most, um, m- most members of the public are, are really, you know, seeing this as like a form of kind of a new version of work in this country and new opportunities for solving problems. You know, as I mentioned earlier, in one of the powerful aspects of prize authority and prize competitions is partnerships. And what agencies are doing is that they are kind of for the first time in innovation, they're structuring really interesting uh, partnerships around these problems, either across federal government by partnering together or with entities outside of government like private industry. You know, the NIST ran a competition called the Head Health Challenge years ago that was focused on improving the materials and helmets so that we would reduce um, the concussion incidents among players. And so a natural part natural partners for that competition were the National Football League along with Under Armour. And so um, by bringing in partners like that through the power of prize authority, they were able to also engage more members of the public because they have um, affiliation and association with those outside entities and those brands. We're also seeing agencies are seeing impact and using challenge.gov and prize competitions to engage with um, local and state state level government partners. You know, there was a, a impactful competition run by HUD years ago called Rebuild by design. Um, in the wake of Hurricane Sandy, they knew that we needed more resilient um, designs along our, our coastal waterways. And so the Rebuild by Design Challenge engaged with state and local government so that the winning designs from the competition had a pathway to funding and local implementation. And yeah, also what we're seeing that I think is is something that we don't see with contracts, <laughs> absolutely, is that agencies are using prize competitions to engage with specific segments of and demographics across the across America. You know, we have competitions, some are live right now on challenge.gov, where the audience, the solver audience that the competition is targeting are students, either high school students or college age students. 
because those those members of the public are living the problems that the agencies really want to address through future programming. And so they're working with these parts of the public, you know, populations to make sure they get it right and to create that buy-in that is so important for solutioning. We have lots of examples, you know, as I mentioned before, the VA Legacy Memorial Challenge, where they were able to engage veterans directly as solvers. And then also, you know, we have prize competitions that don't offer monetary awards, but the non-monetary award can be just as powerful, if not more powerful. You know, NASA is a is another great example here where they ran a competition years ago called Artists Inspiring Astronauts, where they were sourcing art of any medium that could be displayed at um, Kennedy Space Center in the astronaut crew quarters where they're in quarantine before they go on a mission. And so what the, what the winners of that competition won was basically a private gallery showing um, and the ability with astronauts um, in their crew quarters and the ability to inspire them on their, uh, on their way to their mission. And so prize competitions, we're seeing agencies use them in very dynamic ways to kind of broaden and explore the meaningful sides of partnerships and also to really use prize competitions to directly engage specific subsets and members of the American public in innovation. Yeah, it really sounds like it. And again, so many fantastic examples, literally touching on just about every aspect of life. So looking bigger picture, I know that this current administration has a huge focus on diversifying points of view and input in government solutions, as well as increasing equity. So do you think that your platforms sort of help federal agencies meet these administrative goals and help increase representation across government services and solutions? Yes, I absolutely believe that. You know, I, I think we do just that through open innovation in general. And then specifically, you know, TTS does provide these platforms that allow anyone in federal government to engage the public. And, you know, it's what we're seeing the agencies do is they're opening up their design processes and problem definition and solutioning to the public. And, you know, there is, there's a learning curve there where, you know, there's an uncertainty um, across federal government in the best practices for doing this. And so we're, we're really seeing a lot of agencies kind of embody and explore and de-risk their processes for engaging the public and, and really making it a focus where before they design and implement a strategy within the walls of government that impact the people, instead, they're opening up their design you know, notebooks and their notes to the public for feedback and also for, um, for, for thoughts and processes for how we might implement these ideas to be sustainable. And, you know, I, I agree completely that, that the approaches we use with prize competitions and with citizen science and crowdsourcing are allowing for equity and inclusion 
and it's allowing the American people to have a voice in policy and innovation and solutioning that that impacts them where they live. And, um, you know, these processes that we're using the platforms of challenge and citizenscience.gov, they're allowing, um, because we do, we create the submission process on these platforms where they're public facing so that the federal government is blinded as to where that idea or who that idea came from until after decisions have been made about selection for what was the best idea. And so in this way, we're reducing bias and we're leveling the playing field. And also through these platforms and these processes, we're making innovation kind of for the people and by the people. And what we're seeing is that by taking this approach, uh, we have a greater chance of sustaining and scaling these innovations and ultimately of creating lasting impact. You know, it, we have challenge.gov and we have citizenscience.gov that really are platforms for federal government to engage with the public. We're also inspired by um, a, another program in TTS called regulations.gov that creates really a, a very low barrier to participation for the public to provide comment on uh, rulemaking. And so we're, yeah, we think that through, through these platforms that TTS has created and deployed and we're constantly optimizing that we're allowing federal agencies to engage the public in meaningful ways that are secure, that allow the public to have a voice in innovation that's being developed and designed for them. Yeah. I guess one important aspect of all of this too is, you know, for listeners out there who are maybe engaging with this for the first time, how do they get involved with some of these prize competitions or if they just generally have ideas that they want to share? Yeah, absolutely. The um, On challenge.gov, you can go to challenge.gov now and see approximately 45 uh, competitions that are live. On average, there are 35 to 45 at any given time, um, really across a variety of topics ranging from um, social justice issues um, all the way to um, technology development, innovation competitions. And, and uh, really, there's, there are activities that are for everyone on challenge.gov where you can get involved. And if you're not a solver, if you don't see yourself as having a solution for that competition or that crowdsourcing activity on challenge.gov, you can also share that activity with your network. Because um, as I mentioned before, you know, one of the, the top goals that agencies have when they're running these types of activities is to raise awareness with the public about that the government wants to hear from them. And so we highly encourage members of the public to create an account on challenge.gov, um, stay engaged with the platform to find that activity where they can participate. And if they don't have a solution for it, they can certainly share it out to their network um, because our ultimate goal and really the future that we see for challenge.gov and citizenscience.gov is that through these platforms, the government can create an ecosystem 
for public participation in innovation and scientific discovery, where the public can come to us and they can submit their amazing ideas that the government can then bring into government and inform you know, the work that we're doing on the public's behalf. And lastly, where do you see challenge.gov and citizenscience.gov growing in the future? What kinds of ways do you want to do more outreach? Are there more people or processes, culture or technology that you think will be key? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we just launched the newest version of the challenge.gov platform in October. And so in many ways, the challenge.gov platform is a, is a functioning minimum viable product. And TTS is investing in building out new features for the platform. And the features that we're currently focused on are really those features that allow for that ecosystem building and community forming so that members of the public don't necessarily just have to submit a sub- solution or an entry to a competition but so that they can provide comments about an idea or they can create a democratic process of, of voting on different ideas that have been submitted as entries. And so yeah, the future of challenge.gov is for this platform to be more of a kind of a, a community center where the public can see not just prize competitions that are open uh, for participation, but also so that they can see across federal government all of the other open innovation programs that they can participate in at any time. So we really want to build that community and ecosystem around our agency missions. For citizenscience.gov, we're working right now with our community to transform the website. Um, for, For the past five years, the website has been primarily government employee facing where it's really been a site where any anyone in federal government who is interested in using citizen science to engage the public can see the catalog of all of the federally sponsored citizen science activities and they can access um, tools and toolkits and case studies to allow to inform their work at their agency what we're looking to do going forward is similar to challenge.gov is to make um, a portal that allows for the public to directly engage with these um, amazing citizen science activities um, that are going on across federal government. That's fantastic. And I'm really looking forward to seeing how both websites transform over time and the difference it makes across uh, federal services and just general mission areas. So thank you so much, uh, Jara, for joining us on GovCast. It's been a really fascinating conversation. And again, looking forward to what you do next. Thanks, Melissa. It's been a pleasure. GovCast, along with CyberCast and HealthCast, is a production of GovCIO Media and Research. For more podcasts and to check out the other shows, head to govciomedia.com. Watch out for new episodes released every Tuesday and Wednesday across our shows. You can follow all of them in your favorite podcast platform. And if you like what you heard, make sure to let us know by leaving a review. And if you have any topics you think we should look into, contact us at newsletter at gcio.com.